audio sermon files. However, today we have a prayer service offered to our people. So if you're interested and you're here for the first time, we would encourage you to look at other sermons in the previous weeks. We're actually starting a 21-day prayer and fasting, and we would like for you, if you can't make it in person, to join us during this time. But if you're able to come and visit us in person, we would love to visit with you. In fact, if you have any questions, check our website out. We would love to help you and understand a little bit more about Grace Church Waldorf. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at bruno.jamba, my last name just as you see it, at gracewaldorf.org. Come and see us. We would love to see you in person. God bless you. um, This morning, what we wanted to do before starting off our 21 days of prayer and fasting is uh, take an opportunity to pray, to pray together corporately. And uh, so we wanted to take this opportunity. There's a scripture that I would like for you to look at. But prior to that, I just wanted to read from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. As we know in the Old Testament, the Israelites had many enemies that came against them, and they found themselves overwhelmed with battles where their, where their enemies were going to destroy them, and they didn't know what was ahead of them. They didn't know what the outcome would be. They didn't know if the result would be that they would live or die, whether their people would reign in their area or at least reign and serve the Lord or not. And so with many of the battles that went through, They didn't know how to maneuver those. But I wanted to bring your attention to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 as the the king, Jehoshaphat, stood before, it says, in the assembly of of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. You're not going to see it on your screen. I'm just reading it prior before we get to that verse. And it says in verse 6, And O Lord, he goes, the God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Saying you're the sovereign God who's in control, even in the midst of this battle. And then he goes down into verse 12 as he continues to pray. But I wanted to highlight verse 12. He says, oh, our God. Will you not execute judgment on them? Meaning, my enemies, will you not take care of this, this battle that's before me, the enemies that are coming against us? Meaning there was a sense of faith, exercising his faith, believing. And he says, for we are powerless against this horrid that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you in the midst of the battle. And then in verse 15, if you could just scroll to verse 15, it says this, as the prophet, the Holy Spirit came upon the prophet. This is what the prophet said with the spirit leading. He says, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. Verse 17, and you will not need to fight in this battle. 
Stand firm, hold your position, and see the foundation, the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. I mean, it's such a heavy promise on God's people, and they exercise. Because here's where it says, he didn't say don't fight. He says go and fight, but you don't have to fight. <laughs> You don't have to fight in your own strength. God said, I will fight for you. Just go. That's exercising faith. Look in verse 18 if you have your Bibles open. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. Humility. And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. That's how we should fight our battles. Worshiping the Lord, praising him, bowing before his presence. And then it goes on. And the Levites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. That's how they fought. That's how you and I are called to fight. We're called to fight in prayer. As a corporate people of God, we need to bow ourselves before the Creator, bow our hearts, worship Him, praise Him, humble ourselves recognizing that we're not sovereign in control. Even King Jehoshaphat recognized that only God is sovereign. And when we have a posture of bowing down before God, he fights the battle before us. So what I'd like for us to do for the next eight to 10 minutes is I'm going to pray, start us off in prayer, that I invite you to pray out loud, nice and loud if you can, not too long, and then if we could, once I sense a, a, an ending in that process, then we'll, we'll transition into a song, okay? So let's take a moment and let's, let's start our time in prayer. So Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to get started. Thank you for reminding us that the battle belongs to you. Lord, we want to learn how to praise you. We want to learn how to worship you. We want to learn how to adore you. We want to learn how to make you the center of our lives. And so, Lord, teach us how to battle by battling through prayer and focus on you. So even now, as your people pray, may we praise you. May we thank you for the past battles that you won for us. May we praise you for the present battles that you will win for us. May we praise you for the future battles that you already have in store for us and will take care of. Lord, I pray that as we look to you today, may you lead us and may your people pray today, crying out to you, looking to you, our God, our Father, knowing you're sovereign and in control, fighting our battles ahead for us in Jesus' name. So we're reminded that God fought the battles for the Israelites, his people in the Old Testament, many battles, never said, never left them nor forsake, forsook them. He was always with them. He promised that he would be with them, but because of his loyal covenant to his people, he is faithful and he always keeps his promises. And now we're reminded that Jesus paid it all he fought the greatest battle, the battle to fight off the debt for sin. He was willing to take and bear our sin for us, and he was willing to give us righteousness. He was the one that we're reminded in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5, verse 21, for it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, for he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange. He stood in the gap. He was willing to be sinful for us so we could be stood before God as sinless. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we're the ones who should be paying the debt, and Jesus paid it on our behalf. We're always reminded of the scripture in the New Testament with the preposition for is really in the Greek, and we would understand that it was in beha- for behalf or in behalf of us, in place of us. So Jesus died as a substitutionary atonement, a perfect one, appeased the Father's wrath against sin. Who would do that? Even Romans chapter five says, we might do that for another person, but God demonstrated his love by this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us on behalf of us. Just like in 2 Chronicles, God fought on behalf of his people. Jesus fought on behalf of us for sin because we're sinners. Would it be just a wonderful, wonderful praise if we, his people, who are bought with a price, could praise him right now for the gift that he's given us, the grace that he's given us through his son. And not only has he given it to us at the point of salvation, we call it justification, he gives us at every moment in sanctification. When we fail, when we say the wrong things, isn't it great to know that God doesn't hold perfection over us? Isn't it great to know that Jesus died for that? And that we could only know that it's his grace that we could even come to him today as a people. If you are a believer today and you know that we just live a short time here on this earth and you know that if you pass from this life, you'll enter into his presence, then we know it's only because of grace. Because even glorification says that. In his presence, when we enter there in his presence, it will only be because of grace. We don't deserve it. May we praise him in every language today. May we praise him with a heart that says, Gloria al Signore. Let's praise him. So let's take a moment and pray. Signore mio, ti voglio ringraziare che ora io posso parlare italiano, che posso esprimermi in un modo che io ti glorifico. Il mio cuore ti vuole glorificare. Signore mio, aiutami di sottomettermi davanti a te, sapendo che tu sei il mio Dio che ha mandato il tuo figlio è morto sulla croce per i miei peccati. Per questo, Signore, ti, ti lodo, ti ringrazio che ora tu mi hai salvato tramite il, il nome di Gesù Cristo e, e tramite il tuo sangue, Signore mio, Gesù. Fai che tu mi puoi aiutare a umilarmi davanti a te. Aiutami, Signore, Aiutaci, Signore, che noi possiamo, possiamo sottometterci davanti a Te. Che noi possiamo confessare i nostri peccati con un cuore grande. Signore mio, ti ringrazio e ti chiedo queste cose nel nome di Gesù Cristo. Amen.
innocent lamb of God. We are wretched sinners, depraved. We fail. We say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. But grateful, Lord, that you don't expect perfection from us. Thank you that you were willing to send your son. Thank you that even now, we still need that sacrifice. We still need the grace. We still need to confess our sins. We still need for your cleansing. Whether we think we did something wrong or not. Because I know if I didn't do something wrong, I thought something wrong. (laughs) I fail. I feel more often that I would love to admit that I do. And so, Lord, thank you that you have bestowed your grace on your people, all of us, that we stand before you cleansed, washed, sinless because of Jesus, only because of Jesus. So thank you for that amazing, unmerited favor of grace. And as we continue, may we recognize, Holy Spirit, we need you to be present. We need you to reign in our hearts. We need you so that we don't grieve you or quench you that the peace of Christ would rule in our hearts. Continue to speak to our hearts, reveal the things in our hearts so that we could have intimacy with the Father and the Son and you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit, he indwells in us, he sanctifies us, he does a work in us, he convicts us of sin, he brings glory to the Son of God, he works in ways in our hearts. He directs us. He leads us. He, God gives us gifts, and the Holy Spirit bestows them upon us to remind us of the gifts that we have to use to bring glory to God and to minister to his people and to minister ultimately to the church and those even outside of the church. God has given us the Holy Spirit to be present with us when at times we think we have it together and he has to remind us lovingly the counselor, the, the, the one who comforts us in the time that we desperately need it, counsels us and reminds us that we're nothing without the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And when we're being comforted, it's because we're hurting. And when we're hurting, we, God doesn't want us to react on our hurt. He wants us to go to him with our hurt. And when we go to him with our hurt, He's the one who comforts us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is the Lord. Even in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, it talks about he being the Lord. He is a person. He speaks. He encourages. He edifies. He builds up. He He maintains the peace and he promotes peace through his son. And Jesus said, I must leave that the Spirit must come. And the Holy Spirit, is in John 16, talks about how the Holy Spirit brings glory to the Son. But I love when Paul speaks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, because he had been accused of false teachers, been questioned. Many who followed him, many of the false teachers were pulling him, those believers, away from Paul. And Paul could have reacted, but he didn't. He rested. And he didn't defend himself. He gave it to the Lord he was hurting, and you know the, he knew that the people around him were hurting. And this is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. He knew that in his pain, he can go to the Holy Spirit 
to comfort him. And he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Verse six, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. It's a powerful statement. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We understand what Paul was saying there. That when I'm comforted by God, it's for the benefit of someone else. When I struggle and I go through trials, it's really to benefit someone else who's gonna go through a trial and needs comfort. Because when God comforts me, now I can go and comfort that brother or sister who's going through a trial. It's so against our flesh. <laughs> it's so against our desire to react in our hurt and our pain. But the God who comforts, the one who provides mercy and peace, says, come to me and I will comfort you. So then when someone else is certain, you can comfort that person. You know, the word comfort is parakaleo. It's a discipleship term. It's a come alongside. So really, when we're hurting, our duty, our job is to go and minister to someone else. That's discipleship. So that we don't sit in our hurt and our pain, but we know that the God of all comfort will give us that comfort to comfort someone else. So I want to ask us that now at this time, that we would enter into God's presence as a corporate people, asking God to comfort us in our pain, in our hurts, in our struggles, to lean on him and to rest in him, knowing that he's got a plan even in our pain and our suffering. He had a plan for Jesus. He suffered. He died, but then he rose. God wants to resurrect us from our pain, comfort us, so we can be used to reach out to others. That's discipleship. May I pray that we'd understand all of that. Because where there's pain, there's comfort. And where there's comfort, there's ministry. Let's turn to the Lord right now. Father, thank you for reminding us even now that in our hurt, in our pain, in our struggle, in our affliction, in our trial, in our trouble, whichever version you want to read, you are the one who we need to turn to for comfort. That even in our pain, you're going to use it for your glory. Jesus, you went through pain. You took on the debt of sin. Father, you had to turn your back on the son when he took it, the cup of wrath. But even when he did, and he had to die. Father, he, your son had to die. He died knowing that he would rise. And when he rose, all glory was bestowed upon you. The resurrection 
and the joy of knowing that today we can stand, even today as believers, and we can sit in this building knowing we've been saved, set free from our pain of sin and our hurt, knowing that you can comfort us still in our sanctification. So God, today we pray that you would comfort us and use the comfort that we receive to comfort others. We do love you, Lord, and we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. James 5, 16 um, says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We're reminded of the preposition for. And it tells us, obviously, we are to confess our sins to God. And we know that there's forgiveness there. And then we are to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. The word for is uper, which is the same that says that Christ died in behalf of us, on behalf of us. And so when we pray for one another, we need to pray on behalf of another brother and sister as though we feel the same pain that they do. Just as Jesus was willing to take on the sin of the world, our sin, he was willing to go on behalf of us. So when we pray for someone else, we have to be willing to go on behalf of our brother and sister with a similar feeling of pain for them. Even if someone is trying to hurt us, we have to go on behalf of that. That's what the Bible is telling us to do. And we have the opportunity because when we do that, that's when we're healed. When we're willing to go to that place. What credit is it for us? Jesus said that if we treat someone well because they treat us well. But he says, I get, you, you gain more credit when you love your enemies. We're called to love each other in Christ. We're not each other's enemies. And we sure enough can pray for one another on behalf of our brother or sister. That is our calling. And so we're going to give you just a moment right now. I know it's running a little bit late, but I still want to give you guys this moment. It's worth the extra time for our church. We're going to allow this to be a place of an altar before we leave today. If you have something you want to deal with as Greg is playing, I want to encourage you to come up. Something you want to just talk to the Lord about. It's just between you and him. We open this place as an altar for you. And, and as you do, please, let's come together in unity to ask God that we really need him. We can't do it without him. We can't fake it. God's called us to this. And so I want to invite you, this is an altar, to come up. It's okay to get on your knees and to ask God to intercede, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus will intercede to the Father on behalf of our groanings and our struggles. I welcome you to come. Time today. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather together. Thank you for this prayer time. Thank you for all those who have participated, who have bared their heart. And I pray that, Lord, you will begin to cultivate and create a culture of prayer in our lives. I pray that we would begin 
a new step toward prayer. And if even we have a prayer life, that it would be enhanced, it would be increased. Lord, give us a passion in these next 21 days to seek your presence, to grow intimately closer with you. May you use this book to challenge us to find that place of intimacy, a secret hiding place, as Psalm 32, 7 says when David spoke of that. It just came out of the time when he was fallen in sin. He found that secret hiding place with you. May we do that as well. Give us a passion to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters during this time and give us an opportunity to raise up a new people, a new message here from Grace Church to not just help us to grow together and heal, but also to reach the world for your kingdom. Lord, we love you, and we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you guys next week.